about my pre-pod question topic. I was like bouncing around. I was like, I want to do anime because I love anime, but decided not. Then I was going to do couch gaming, which we decided we're going to do later. So today, my question for you, which is a surprise to everybody, is about fantasy as a genre. What I want to know is how has D&D influenced or affected your concept of high fantasy? And what other movies, TV shows, books have also influenced your image of high fantasy? So like when you're imagining an elf, an orc, a, you know, small adventure town, a dungeon, like what are you visioning in your head? That's so good. Yeah, that's that's a, a good, good question. question. Before we start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, you've got to keep that in. You've Before we start. A cold one. Oh, crap. A cold one. cold one. Uh, that sorry, was some sorry. sexy Excuse audio. Me. You can't take that out. Oh, you got to leave that. You got to leave that. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the, the most influential for me, and I was assuming it would probably be at least up there for most of us, obviously Lord of the Rings, uh is because those movies oh, were coming easy. out when we were growing up uh, and so that's most of the time the the themes and and the images and everything and that that is what most of my concept of fantasy is is based off of really um and i would say that mixed with like the the in more recent years the um as as I because of well mostly because of Ronnie uh, I watch a lot of anime now <laughs> and oh uh, yes sir you guys are freaking geeks I oh know, stop I know. oh stop uh, hey no anime is it's like almost cool now you know like D and D is like entering <laughs> that like, D and D is cool now anime yes. is getting there anime is like uh, becoming normal it is uh, but, which is weird I don't know if I like it but. <laughs> When when um, one when one thing that's nerdy gets more popular, there's something new that's created that's way nerdier. Right. So more things are normalized, but we're getting weirder and weirder nerdy shit. Mm-hmm. Furries yeah, right now. Fifteen years. Abomination. Furries. At, at what cost? At what cost? <laughs> How deep are we? Yeah, anime like the 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 more kind of expressiveness, I guess is a way you could say that. Like anime is like really, uh, it's tends to be like really big, kind of over the top in how it, in how it shows things. Uh, and, and so that has started to also influence how I perceive like fantasy and, and other things with, with that kind of air of like, of, of largeness and what's going on and, and visuals and, and so I would say a weird combination between Lord of the Rings and, and anime fights uh, is is somewhere where I lie on that spectrum. I I am going to piggyback off that because uh, my answer is similar. Uh, obviously, I, I mean it's I don't think the fantasy genre would exist without Tolkien. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Yes, to say that when you think of fantasy like like he created like elves and dwarves i mean i guess there were there were like mythos before that but he gave them kind elves of and dwarves as we know them yes yeah. um but i can just remember being like five 
or seven years old and playing kingdom hearts for like five hours at like at night and then like going to school and just daydreaming but the way i would think like was in anime you have to say it was in like japanese animation like action sequences uh swords <laughs> and like armor and magic and you know <clears throat> yeah and i was like there's nothing else like that really um and, and just knowing thinking as a kid like that is so unique and original from like you know like think of the movies of the times and like and then like there was nothing like that like it was very original um for a, a seven-year-old I don't know. Uh, <laughs> does, does that make sense? Like, like, yes. like yeah. King, Kingdom Hearts, like, like, was like randomly my parents, my parents bought me that game. Same, and no, the exact was, same situation for there me. There was no other media that I could find that matched it. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, now yeah. like kids can like get on the internet mm-hmm. and find anime and like blah blah blah. But like to me, I was like, what? Like all my other video games are so different. Like all these movies my parents watch like are so different. You know, like there's nothing else like that. And so I was very like, that was mm-hmm. a introduction to some kind of like some i guess low fantasy that i'd never experienced so your parents like we would tell you anime was like from satan or anything like that because my my, parents definitely did mine mine didn't (laughs) my we could go to a whole nother pre-pod about that growing up in a protestant (laughs) we need to talk about protestant households Uh, yeah boy uh but no that that was all of us right protestant households pretty sure yes i believe so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but that's my answer sorry It, it, it it didn't make a ton of sense but no, I think I think it does, and I, okay. I I would say like we were all too. So like you know, Final Fantasy and stuff came out a lot before then, but we didn't play Final Fantasy until no, we were no, yeah. older. You know, right. we kind of like retroactively played the Final Fantasy games, um, which Kingdom Hearts was built off of. So I think it just makes sense. You know, there was a lot a lot like wider audience for Kingdom Hearts, and yeah, it doesn't really match up. Um, Quite literally, but, wider audience. You know. Oh. Eek. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I will little... say, <laughs> here I am, moving on. Yeah, say it again, Zach. Uh, nope. I, um, I, I would say, you know, following that, um, it's really interesting that we're talking about this, because I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Final Fantasy effect, but, like, the team that created the Final Fantasy in and of itself, if you've played through the Final Fantasies by numbers, none of them are alike in terms of how the game is. Some of it are, like, third person. Some of it's turn-based RBG. Like, it's all just, they're all done differently. And every single person, I guess, in the office that creates Final Fantasy sees Final Fantasy differently than the person they work next to. So they say it's, like, really hard to get a new game out because everybody just thinks it should be something different. Um, But in the same way, in the same way, I think like I view fantasy. It's funny because you guys, you know, have kind of blended your like, you know, watching a lot of anime. That's what you see for me. I think just because I've, I mean, Lord of the Rings was a perfect example. I definitely see a lot of Lord of the Rings, Um, but just even more recently, um listen the people you listen to like if you're a critical role fan adventure zone um you know any uh, any of those yeah. you're gonna blend that so with with critical role which is you know just the D crown um they're very like emotionally driven 
and they show that even just recently, you know, at the time of recording this, just last night's episode, they actually had to tweet out, Matt Mercer tweeted out, like, that they just covered some really heavy Back stuff then, that even though it was taking place, obviously, in, like, a high fantasy realm, covered some topics of, like, daddy issues. And, like, it's you. real for a lot of people. So when mm-hmm. I think high fantasy, yes, there's swords. Yes, there's elves. But you're talking about things, like, including half-orcs, half-elves, where you're dealing with racism. And that's, like, a very real thing you know so i think it's it's very interesting how you can correlate you know even in a world with magic elves you know just fake as fake gets you can tackle some serious issues and i think for me um my high fantasy is it, it just i you know all of those are present but there's a bit of humanity that no matter what we're dealing with in the game is always going to like be sprinkled on top of it. You know, like there's always going to be real world things that you can learn. And I, I, you know, I would even go out and say in the same with anime, you know, it's very exaggerated, but it's talking about some pretty like real stuff that obviously yeah. you and me and, you know, the other anime geek on the street can like all connect to. Um, so that's that's pretty much like I mean I definitely see the the armor and the you know the the kind of like the heroism and adventuring and the excitement behind it all but I think the big moments that stick out to me like in in Lord of the Rings for example and it's a lot of people's top moment but finding like the strength to keep going on Mordor even though you're so tired you know you're gonna carry Frodo like just the heroism of Sam that's like it doesn't matter what you are like everybody gets a rise out of that you know whether you like high fantasy or not there's something that you can glean from that um just a really cool avenue i would i would say yeah i would agree and just to like jump in really quick before um you like give your thoughts jackson i also think it's like really incredible what you can do with fantasy as far as like sending messages across because i mean it's like it's like aesop's fables like everybody like the reason he chose to tell moral stories in the way he did in my mind is because it's a lot easier for people to confront and accept real world things when it's behind the guise of a character or in a world that's not reality you know like it's a lot easier for people to like digest racism sexism and daddy issues if it's a half orc an orc and a like a dragon right but like it's a lot harder when it's like real people and when it's in their actual lives so it's like opens an avenue for people to explore emotions and realities that they don't want to see you know what i mean Hmm. uh not to get religious but that's i mean jesus the the, that's uh, what i was about to say the the savior or the historical figure whatever way you see him uh that's that's his whole um motivation of how he preached was through like narratives so that people could attach themselves through stories instead of uh, like what was actually going on at the time. So, but yeah, I think that's that translates to all people want to. All people need stories, and fantasy distances yourself from what's real, but you can still talk about things. So, yeah, um, you guys cover most of the bases, but um, <laughs> sorry, Jackson, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I went first on this one is because I knew it would be very oh, similar easy. for all yeah. of us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I guess I can just go around and I can agree and why, but um, like I'm obviously we're all like inspired by Tolkien and and like kind of the the words he like 
you know, wrote and how it's just spilled into like Peter Jackson did a great job and and all that kind of stuff. And I also think about uh, another book that I know at least Chance has read, um, the like Name of the Wind and um, Wise Man's Fear, and then also a bunch of Brandon uh, Sanderson novels. That's his name, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's his name. Um, it, those like fantasy novels that are just coming out now are still really good and in their way that they spell imagery and in the same ideas that y'all are talking about and i also think of sci-fi when y'all were talking about kind of dealing with um things that are not necessarily like you use every day and the thoughts going on in our mind but you use a vehicle that feels easier to digest like very similar to like comedy yeah. right how comedy is so powerful because we can embrace things that are harder to hear or harder to face because it's comedic right and and i think that that's you know one of the great roles that comedians and people with great humor play and and with sci-fi you know i think it's they're a little bit different in the messages they try to tackle for you know just a broad um kind of statement but i think a lot to um I'm a big short story person, so I can think of a lot of short stories that have definitely kind of at least painted feelings or, or like what a civilization could look like or, you know, old buildings look like and smell like and feel like ones that have never been in and, and things like that. So when I play D&D, I think about those old buildings and those smells that I've never smelled and it makes it a lot uh more enjoyable to play and share and but obviously the special thing about this one is that we are all doing it together at the same time so oh yes um Very kind of to like give my opinion and kind of wrap us up and then i kind of have a question for you specifically chance um okay but i'm yeah. surprised and i i might my headphones kind of cut out a little bit so if i say anything that you've already said chance that's why um but i'm surprised nobody talked about and like these are Tol tolkien-esque but The Witcher or um, yeah. Skyrim or The Elder Scrolls in general. Mm, um, yeah. I think like those series as playable games really like did something for my fantasy scape that movies and books couldn't really do. So I think like as Silas was saying, like with anime and as Chance was saying with anime and like how everything's over the top things are like really intense i think i bring that intensity to my mindscape but when i paint it like i almost paint it like i'm playing like the witcher or playing skyrim like when we enter a dungeon like it always looks dark dingy and dirty and like whenever we fight a skeleton it looks like a draugr you know like stuff like that which like obviously those games have so many influences behind them from tolkien to you know old wives tales that have been told for like millennia you know like hearkening back to you know the vikings and really whatever you want to say like we've all taken english courses talking about you know beowulf and imagery that like we're so familiar with and we never knew we were because we never read the source material but when it really boils down to it a lot of the things we see and know are recycled ideas from the past and like that is really kind of cool that it adds to the collective consciousness of humanity which i think is also something that's really exciting for the future is that you've kind of you know for all eternity had like the west and the east and like the middle east as far as like 
the stories we tell each other and the things that we know and see and feel. And of course there are some similarities, but like in art, like in a Western culture, like the age old stories and fairy tales that our parents told us and their parents told them for generations and generations back. Um, I think it's like really interesting that like we get to kind of get a piece of that now, like with anime and with like other like Eastern media that we get to consume, like those stories are kind of merging and like we get to find commonalities like between like the hero's journey and the way that it's told from an, from an Eastern viewpoint versus a Western viewpoint um, and kind of melds into this like high fantasy concept that we all get to live and experience, which I think is really cool. Um, but this leads to the question I want to ask you, Chance. Like, I'm not sure if you talked about Game of Thrones specifically, or you either you two, Jackson. Um, I know you both have spoken like moments in D and D, like really feel like um, something like out of Game of Thrones. Or I know Chance, you had watched a little video essay about like the hero's journey, and I was wondering if either of you had anything to say about either of those two things. Yeah. So. The reason I talked about Kingdom Hearts a lot was because I was thinking about, like, like when I was a kid and how that set up my background for fantasy and, like, magic and, like, like monsters and things like that. Um, but I really, I didn't get into, like, Game of Thrones, The Witcher, really Lord of Rings, Lord of the Rings, until I... Lord of Rings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lord of Rings. Until, until I kind of got older. Um, and like same with Skyrim and everything, I kind of got into fantasy late and I've been playing a lot of catch up, but, uh, one thing about Game of Thrones and Witcher <clears throat> is, uh, they, they set, they make almost fantasy a little bit more realistic in a sense. And that has affected how I run games as a, as a DM, um, specifically just, um, just seeing, just seeing how like like witcher is a very like kind of grim like he's not a hero he's not like saving like i mean it depends on how you play it you know uh and how like i um i guess the, the stories aren't you know dependent on how you play but um but yeah it's like he kills monsters for for hire and things like that and um a lot of the people in the world are very bitter same with game of thrones it's like the 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 knights and the 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 noble people freaking die you know uh and i kind of like that has influenced how i run my games because i just the the i want to be original and i want to like see like how backstories like um don't necessarily like follow like oh i like the batman like character like i want like newer characters i don't want like your parents died and like you're a hero and you're always good and like you know or or even something like I'm, i always want to steal or like i don't know it's just like i've i've tried to found a more grounded like what would these npcs really be doing like i i try to treat them less like video game like uh dialogue options and i try to treat them as like real characters within the game and like a real economy and like I don't know, like real politics and taxes and like all the nitty gritty stuff from like Game of Thrones and Witcher and things like that. And like, I want that. I want that in my games because I want it to feel more real. Does that make any sense? I'm kind of, I'm kind of tipsy, so I'm kind of like just random. But <laughs> Perfect. I didn't know if that yeah, made very well sense. Said. No, okay. very well said. Yeah, and I think that's like there's a little bit of there's nobody in Game of Thrones like, and everybody knows this when you really break it down. But the only good guy, spoilers, we're gonna talk about Game <laughs> of Thrones spoilers, but just for season one, the only good guy in Game of Thrones is axed in the first season. Yeah. 
Like Ed Stark is the only guy who's actually got like a solid ground of morals. And then everybody else is just kind of fighting for their own neck. There's likable characters and you can like root for their cause. But like the whole story is about like getting in first or survival or, you know, what people will do to get in the seat. So um, I think that's very realistic. Like it's very rare that you come across people that have like a standard of moral codes that their neck is actually on the line that they'll stand up and be like, no, you know, like I, I I'll die for my beliefs. <laughs> like you just don't find that much. So I think they did a really good job of like encapsulating all of that. And if you see like the more we see that in characters, the more we now can like almost identify. And I wouldn't want to identify too deeply with Game of Thrones characters, but you see a lot of like reluctant criminals in TV nowadays and it's just kind of fun to watch because you see how people get to where they are and there's no like explicit bad guy um, unless they do that you know they always make sure to do that one thing that's like okay you're rotten so we don't like right. you um, but for the most part the good guys tend to be everyday people that make mistakes you know or just are like messed up for whatever reason so that's a good point yeah Ronnie you so you mentioned the hero's journey and and when when you start talking about like what influences were this is i didn't i don't know if i should talk about this because I, and it was like ah, is this like too nerdy so this is something the hero's <laughs> journey is in you you've you basically you've opened the floodgates uh uh-oh that idea is is i'm not gonna i could talk about it for a long time this somehow came up at work like last week someone asked me something about it and i talked for like 30 minutes uh but i'm not gonna do that awesome you have five minutes uh but that that is what is really in the back of my head as far as like fantasy and really storytelling i really i get really nerdy about storytelling uh is is the hero's journey and uh also called the monomyth um and that idea of like this like why does this story work and why does it why does it resonate so strongly with 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 just humanity in general and the and it's because it's it's the hero's journey uh if you should look it up and like read there's like some really great charts out there just kind of describe it but basically there is this kind of common uh like narrative structure that a lot of myths and legends uh follow uh and it's called the hero's journey because it's it's the journey that the heroes go on so across cultures and, and genres and uh even just just time like chronologically there's so many stories that follow this pattern because it's such a it, it is such a powerful uh, story structure uh, the idea of all of these kind of steps that the hero goes through and, and the call to adventure and, you know, there's like the abyss, there's the low point in their journey, uh, all of this stuff. Um, anyway, that, that is like what, when I'm, when I'm talking about like fantasy and, and things like this, that is constantly, whoops, I almost knocked over my water <laughs> uh, that would have been a mess. Damn. Um, uh, and, uh, like that, that is constantly in the back of um, also, just side note, uh, the monument is really cool. You should look it up. Uh, if if you're just like super bored, uh, look up the American monomyth and how that shaped American culture and where that comes from. That's like a whole really awesome Wikipedia Google rabbit hole. Take you like 30, 40 minutes. Really interesting. Anyway, uh, that's my piece. Hero's journey's awesome. The whole idea is 
Uh, before Jackson goes, uh, I just wanted to say something and I forgot it. So go ahead, Jackson. Nice, <laughs> nice hits. Solid, solid, dude. Uh, whoops. What was I asked? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, no, no, I think Jackson, Jackson already went. But Jackson, chance. I mean, Ronnie asked both of us what we thought uh, about like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Like, kind of, like that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, we don't have to. Um, yeah. No, it's okay. And then we all um, sorry. I don't know. Oh, I oh, I remember to. Okay. Oh, stop! Stop, Chance. <laughs> Go ahead. Stop it. Go ahead. Silas, I was just thinking about how you said the hero's journey, and I said, and I was thinking like, how the hell do you get the hero's journey in D and D? Because it's like, D and D is is not scripted. Well, the only part of D and D that's scripted is the adventure that they're going on, but that's the hard part for me as the DM, well, it's, I say the hard part, but I love the most because I literally, every time I get in the shower, I'm thinking about your characters. Like, I, like that's all I do. Like, I devote my shower. Ooh. Ooh. No, but like, Ooh. okay, I, I think a lot. Yuck. I, Ooh, <laughs> chance. Ooh. I'm thinking no, I about think, your characters I, I think while I'm showering. showering. And I take a long shower. So I think a lot about your characters and like how they're going to develop and like what you're going to do. Blah, blah, blah. But I, I'm thinking like, it's in D and D. It's so hard because, yes, in 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 literature, the hero's journey works out because you know, okay, here's where they struggle. Here's where they meet their mentor. Here's where they get power. Here's the abyss. Like here's the, they they come home. You know, um, but in D and D, it's so like off the cuff, and they could they could die in the middle of their arc. Like you know, and so that's it's it's like mm-hmm. you want all of them to fulfill their arc you want them all to make home you want them all to like go through trials and like blah blah, blah. but in D, it's such a weird new medium for storytelling that it just it, you know what i'm saying it like sometimes it works yeah. because it doesn't and you gotta justify like it's why hard. it doesn't yeah. and like you gotta re you gotta introduce new characters and you gotta like you know it's so it's so crazy i just didn't know what you guys thought about that that's take away from Ronnie. That, but that's what I thought of when I was talking about your journey. Maybe we'll have to tackle that another time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just that's what I thought of. I just man. Oh, I could spend a whole pre-pod yeah. talking. Okay, that's my next pre-pod. Okay. <laughs> but in D and D, I don't know. Yeah. So any any closing remarks, Jackson? Um. Well, uh, I mean, I could go in multiple directions. I'll say uh, I agree with what Chance said about Game of Thrones. It's um. I think that for me, the part about Game of Thrones that like affects fantasy is the kind of political side of it. He writes like his work feels more mm, like, I don't know, I would say political. It's like these different powers and states like um, working together in, you know, like foreign affairs, like whereas when i read tolkien it feels um he has like a historian-esque type of way of writing and i don't know but the whole like they're just kind of you know different in the way they go but yeah it helps me think of like different um cities and and rulers and powers more when i think of um game of thrones uh and the good thing about the uh, monomyth chance is that you don't have to worry too much about it because the way we already frame our, oh, and I, so Ronnie and I are psychology people, but, and, and Joseph Campbell, who, you know, wrote 
here with the thousand faces where we get that kind of main idea from the hero's journey in the monomyth um we know that we frame our mind like our, our memories and uh our experiences into the monomyth that's how like deeply it is in us as people is that when any of us start to write a story it folds into the monomyth when we talk about how our last year has been i we're not lying when we like follow the kind of a pattern of, of our lives you know these ups and downs and the way we frame things but it ends up being very similar to the monomyth it, 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 all stories and, and and you know memories are kind of like past stories or whatever form into the monomyth so each of us working together if we're writing the story even you know like even if it is like pre-written or not we're going to be you know developing stories and, and things for ourselves and if we have to make new characters if all our characters die we'll probably have some way to justify it and i mean that's the that's the great part yeah it's like it's really incredible that like the monomyth has become part of like the great human consciousness like the like another psychology term that's like used to describe a lot of mythology um is like the collective unconscious um and kind of like the way that memories and stories are passed through generations regardless of whether or not they're spoken like it it's almost like the monomyth is like a physical entity that's like literally coded into our like genetic makeup and i think like environment really plays a part into like exacerbating that but i really think like truly when you boil it down like even in anime or whatever medium you want like i think of Gurren Lagann and the spiral power and humans overcoming you know whatever so like i think that that's just like a really special thing that you brought up jackson and you know if anybody's really interested in this i guess i was gonna do pre-pod on it but we are closing in on 30 minutes yeah and that's our hard cap so <laughs> i uh i guess that's it anything uh, you want to say chance uh uh do it do a joke to close this out so i love you guys so. um hey just make it funny okay just make it funny uh <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, Tolkien was talking to C.S. Lewis one night in the <laughs> in the basement. Cut yeah, okay. What do you say? And, no, wait, hear him out. Um, what do you say? C.S. Lewis said, "Hey, man, what's your favorite soda?" Yeah. Oh what did Tolkien say? And Tolkien goes no. into his fridge, pulls out an orange bottle, and says, "Fanta, see?" Nope. Oh. I hate it. That'll be all. Uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs>